The Heinemann Podcast is a production of Heinemann Publishing. Heinemann is a provider of resources written by real teachers for real classrooms. Heinemann values teachers as decision makers and students as curious learners. Discover the path to lifelong professional learning at Heinemann.com. Heinemann is dedicated to teachers. I'm Brett from Heinemann. Today on the Heinemann Podcast, a special read-aloud podcast from 180 Days. Kelly Gallagher and Penny Kittle are co-authors of the new book, 180 Days, Two Teachers and the Quest to Engage and Empower Adolescents. Their book is a reflection of a year-long collaboration of planning and teaching. It is a core resource for any educator who feels the push and pull between planning and engaging curriculum and the shortage of time. We've invited Kelly and Penny to read aloud from selected sections of 180 Days, and there was so much to choose from that we've broken this into two special episodes. Today, in part one, Kelly and Penny share their core teaching beliefs and strategies for generating creative and meaningful writing. Every year is its own story, co-authored with dozens of students we meet for the first time each fall. As Chris Lehman wrote in the foreword to Reading Wellness, quote, Our best work happens when we align our instructional decisions to their strengths. When our children become our curriculum, their actions are data, their potential are standards. We believe in Nancy Atwell's vision as described in In the Middle, where she encourages teachers to pay close attention to the choices, intentions, and needs of students so that we will be better equipped to, quote, respond to them, lead them, and show them how to grow. Every year, we believe we must rewrite curriculum so it is responsive to the mosaic of our students and our changing world. Students are at the center of our work. We teach them, not curriculum. Even though we plan ahead for a year, our day-to-day teaching will vary as we respond to the learning of our students. We do not micro-plan very far ahead. Instead, we teach with urgency, deciding daily how to best lead our students to engage deeply and to sustain energy for learning. We are excited by both knowing and not knowing what will happen each day in class. Some teachers believe planning is deciding ahead of time how things will go, which is true, but we believe it is also planning for what we can't yet know. We plan for the inevitable variation in unit design that occurs when we study students' work so that we can then respond with better teaching. It is the alchemy of our ongoing act of thinking about our students' progress and our goals that drives our instruction in class, that tells us what to cut and what to keep when a school-wide lockdown expands second period an extra 30 minutes and shrinks fourth period to half its size. We map each year with careful planning, but we're always aware that if we keep our heads down studying a map, we miss our most alive teaching, responsive, dynamic, and exhilarating. A map shouldn't be so specific that it prevents us from using current texts. A malleable curriculum map encourages a hidden standard, relevancy, to be central in our practice. We want our content to matter now, and helping students see this relevancy increases their engagement and thus their achievement. At the center of our practice is conferring, the heart of responsive teaching. 
We center our thinking on Don Murray's college writing workshop, which was originally called the conference model because of the importance of daily conversations with students. When we confer, we pay attention to what students are coming to know as readers and writers and seek ways to nudge them toward more independence and power. Conferring creates opportunities for us to guide and support students while they are in the creative process. Helping our students begins with knowing our students, and we craft the responsive classroom practices of a rich reading and writing workshop for them. We believe each classroom is its own mosaic, influenced by our thinking about the unique challenges of our students in this moment in time. We believe there is beauty in our content. In The Courage to Teach, Parker Palmer talks about the great things that are found at the center of any subject matter, such as the symbols and reference of philosophy and theology, the shapes and colors of music and art, or the archetypes of betrayal and forgiving and loving and loss that are the stuff of literature. We are at our best, Palmer writes, when we gather around these great things, as their greatness will propel us to be knowers, teachers, and learners. We believe there's greatness to be found when we gather around literature and poetry. But students do not discover this greatness through lectures, quizzes, worksheets, or poster projects. Students discover beauty when given the opportunity to wrestle with the greatness of literature on their own terms. We personalize reading and writing, seeking the deep connection that happens when you trust students to choose what they read and write and then teach into their developing understandings. We believe in the value of reading and writing for their own sake. And we know there's a wide range of novels that will create an urgency to read. Likewise, writing is more than its parts and the complex craft of composition is worthy of study. Students have stories to tell and when they work to write them, they feel the power of creation as poets, storytellers, and artists of words and ideas. We strive to create classroom conditions that support discovery, persistence, and connections with writers in the room, and writers they meet in the books they read. We believe in the power of models. We believe that as English teachers, we must be readers and writers because it's the heart of our content area. Just like those of our students, our reading and writing lives are being shaped by the evolving world and the new tools available to us. All of my writing starts, lives, and breathes by a window in my office. I work in the dark before dawn, writing mostly by hand in my notebook with my dog Cody beside me. Kelly writes early as well, usually between 4 and 5.30 a.m. in an office lined with wooden bookshelves. He turns off his phone and email and tries to write at least 500 words a day. His dog Scout sleeps beside him as Kelly pecks away on his laptop. To both of us, momentum matters. And though we're not always successful, we try to write every morning. When we begin the day by writing, we often find that our ideas continue to dance at the edge of of our consciousness even while we teach or as we plow through eight inches of powder in the deep woods or swim laps in the pool at dusk. What we wrote one morning often helps us when we sit down to write on the next. Conversely, it's always hard to start writing again after we've been away for a few days. The increased distance between moments spent writing increases its difficulty. We're both also active readers, constantly looking for books and passages that call to something deep inside us that answers questions we didn't even know we were asking. We seek the words that we can't let go of, and we seek the books that will connect with our students. We believe we must be active, engaged readers in order to create a contagious passion for reading in our classrooms. 
Recognizing the importance momentum plays in our reading and writing lives reinforces the importance of developing momentum in our students. So we make time for both reading and writing every day in our classrooms. This predictable time affects our students' thinking as well as their confidence. Our units and lessons are designed to create daily reading and writing habits. Reading and writing with our students is also demonstration teaching. It's show-not-tell teaching, and it establishes our credibility. We live as mentors for our students amidst the complexity of reading and writing. What matters most to this teaching? Authenticity. We share what we're reading with them, and we read difficult texts. We share what we are reading with students. And when we read difficult texts, we do some of that reading in front of them, thinking aloud to model moves that readers make. We write in front of students to model engagement with words and ideas, revision, rereading, and problem solving. We write whatever our students are writing, developing our own drafts throughout each unit of study. We model the value of talk and collaboration. And we model in non-traditional ways as well. Punctuality, curiosity, inquisitiveness, kindness, open-mindedness, professionalism, patience, and the ability to listen. We believe choice drives engagement. We agree with Carol Ann Tomlinson and Susan Demersky-Allen that students should have choice in at least one of these factors with every assignment, content, process, product, or conditions for learning. We know adolescents are more likely to invest in the deep thinking needed for intellectual growth when given choice, and our units are designed to give students choices. Across the year, we plan for a balance between independent reading, book clubs, and cortex so that students have choice in what they read 75% of the time. The order of these experiences matters. Many of our students come to us as dormant readers after a summer or in too many cases after years of reading only excerpts and short texts, not books. We also know that when teachers make all or most of the choices about what is read, students do not read enough. We believe the, hey kids, I know you don't like to read, so let's get started by reading Romeo and Juliet approach is counterproductive. We want our students to establish significant reading traction, so we begin our school year by inviting them to find books they are interested in reading. Right from the start, we battle resistance, apathy, and disinterest in reading by providing students with interesting books and time to read them at their own pace and by establishing regular reading conferences where we listen more than we talk. It takes time, weeks of time, to establish regular independent reading both inside and outside of class in students' increasingly distracted and busy lives. Across the year, students will select books to read with others in book clubs, and they'll read two core texts chosen for the entire class to read together. The balance we try to maintain that privileges choice over whole class assigned reading is grounded in both research and our own experience motivating disengaged readers. We also privilege choice in writing instruction in which we seek a better balance between task writing and having students generate writing from their own ideas and experiences. Across the year, our students will have both wide open choices, self-selected writing topics and or genres, and limited choices, writing in genre units of study. Students will also write rarely for district-mandated assessments in which the topic and form are chosen for them. We want to create classrooms where students feel their lives are worthy of study and reflection. We find our students are more likely to engage in their literacy development when given the opportunity to explore their own lives. There's a voice, a liveliness that arises when Maria writes of the time immigration officials stormed into her house and dragged her undocumented father out of the door. There's an intimacy 
an intensity that occurs when Jacqueline writes of her last moments with her fatally ill aunt. Our students have stories to tell. Encouraging them to write them builds an investment in school that does not occur when the only writing done is to answer the teacher's questions. We believe reading identity matters. It seems obvious to say this, but readers are people who read often and a lot. We are both active readers. I've hosted a faculty book club on my campus for 24 years, and as a member, I have read over 200 books in this club alone. Penny piles books and towers in every room of her house, often balancing the reading of four or more books at once. We believe success in reading is built on engagement, which leads to a volume of reading, a necessary foundation for tackling complex texts. Unfortunately, too many adolescent readers suffer from an unhealthy healthy school reading diet in which they fake or skim read one whole class novel, then another, then another. This agonizingly slow crawl through texts is continued month after month, year after year. Many give up believing that reading will offer them anything except meaningless work. We believe in the value of challenging books, but when students only read core texts chosen by their teachers, read aside occurs. Because it leads to a volume of reading, we care more about our students' active engagement than we care about any particular literary work. To nurture reading identities, we believe that the diversity of students and their experiences must be represented in the reading in our classrooms. We seek students who will read without being asked to by the teacher and who will eagerly discuss their thinking with others. We begin the year with three major goals for our young readers. One, students will increase the volume of their reading. Two, students will increase the complexity of their reading. And three, students will develop allegiances to authors and genres. None of these goals will be reached without engagement, but engagement occurs only when kids have interesting books to read and time to read them. We set goals for independent reading, both inside and outside school, and regularly support them. And we will occasionally ask students to write as a means to more deeply understand what they are reading. Momentum matters. We make time for reading in class each day because it affects our students' confidence and engagement. Our reading lives have made us better teachers, and we know regular reading will make our students better citizens of the world. When kids have interesting books to read and time to read them, they read more. More and more matters. Students who read regularly grow as readers, they acquire more vocabulary, and they become better writers. They develop the stamina to engage with complex ideas or characters over hundreds of pages, stamina many of them will need for college. They sometimes experience that breathless feeling we get when we surface from the depths of a book. Increasing the volume of reading helps prepare students to navigate a changing world, as well as to develop empathy and understanding. Readers are important in a democracy. Each day, we give students something to spur notebook writing, depending on the discourse we are studying at the time. For example, throughout the year, but particularly when we study narrative, we write next to poems. Poetry is big thinking in a small space, a few words, and accessible to all. The heart and voice of the writer is at the center of poetry, and student voices rise as they give their own ideas power. We peel off the voice of the poem and wrap it around our own thoughts and ideas. Poets compose in metaphors and images. We write beside these beautiful words, which enables our own phrases and sentences to tumble out. 
When we are studying informational texts, we write next to a chart, an infographic, or short, engaging articles. When studying argument, we react to a current event, a spirited review, an editorial, or perhaps a letter to the editor. In every instance, we choose texts most likely to engage our students and invite a response. We want to open up a live circuit between our students and beautiful writing in the genre we are studying. The balance between practice with features, like dialogue, and free writing is key. Writing every day in notebooks does not mean teaching a technique every day. It means getting students in the habit of transferring thinking into words and sentences. And this can be tricky. In Penny School last year, the administration launched a focus on four-part objectives and insisted that every class period focus on one skill. This is a mechanistic view of an expansive subject, the teaching of writing. Free writing is not about practicing a skill. It is about practicing the generative, pleasurable act of writing in order for students to begin to believe in the power of their words to express ideas. Confidence and clarity in writing can't always be completed in one class period, no matter how clear your objective. During notebook time, everyone in the room the teacher, and each student writes. When we write, we show our notebooks under a document camera so students can see our first draft thinking and often our struggle. Every day we model the construction of ideas into sentences and make visible the decisions we make as writers. My thanks to Kelly Gallagher and Penny Kill for taking the time to share with us this special read aloud from 180 Days. We have so much more to share with you, so be sure to look out for part two of the author's read aloud next week on the podcast. Be sure to subscribe from your favorite podcast service. You can hear it right away. The authors also did a two-part interview with us on the podcast. We invite you to look back through our blog or podcast feed to listen. 180 Days, Two Teachers, and the Quest to Engage and Empower Adolescents is available now from Heinemann.com. You can follow the authors on Twitter. Kelly Gallagher is at Kelly G2Go, that's T-O, and Penny Kittle is at Penny Kittle, all one word. We'd love for you to comment and review on the Heinemann podcast so more educators can discover it. You can also follow Heinemann on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as our various Facebook groups. Plus, you can get a daily teacher tip right on your phone directly from Heinemann authors by downloading the Heinemann teacher tip app. All this and more on Heinemann.com. Thanks for listening.